All right, well, if you will please take a copy of God's Word or your bulletins as we stand together. We're standing today, so if you'll stand as we read, as you're able, Genesis chapter 20. Reading from verse 1, hear now the word of the Lord. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother? And the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things, and the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And When God calls me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. And every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech. And also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray now for the unction and anointing of your Holy Spirit for the preacher and hearer alike. We need you, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. One of the many evidences that the Word of God is trustworthy is that it records not just the successes and high points of the lives of the heroes of the faith, but also their failures and the times that they stumble, and stumble in big ways. Think about it. If you were writing propaganda in order for someone to believe something that was not true, you wouldn't record the low points. You wouldn't record the heroes of the faith like Abraham, the father of faith according to the Word. A friend of God, you wouldn't record all the bad things he did. But but here in our text, we see Abraham mess up in a big, big way. You know, the Christian life is like that. 
Seasons of obedience and seasons of disobedience. We're called to the former, seasons of obedience, and and all too often we fall and fail. We have seasons of joy followed by seasons of sorrow, of mountaintops, and then the dark nights of the soul when, when our time in prayer seems dry. This is very common to the Christian life, of the ups and the downs, especially in the fight against sin and temptation. That Abraham was doing so well and then he did so badly. And unfortunately, we look at our lives and so oftentimes it might describe our lives too. This is summed up, I think, well in Galatians 5.17 where we read, "...the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do." And until Christ comes again, my friends, we will fight this daily battle between the flesh and the Spirit. Of that which we know we are ought to do and the things that we want to do that are sinful. And according to the old man, the old self, who we were before Christ... And we yearn for the day when Christ comes again and and that fight is taken away from us. But we see in our text today how often it works. And so I I want us to look at uh, Abraham's fall here, or his failure, his sin, his very gross and very public sin, as he lost his witness for the Lord in many ways. I want to do an autopsy of it to see what we can learn in our fight against sin and how we might avoid the pitfalls that Abraham fell into. You remember that Abraham um, was called out of the Ur of Chaldees. It's been a while since we looked at Abraham's life. He was called out of ungodliness, pagan religion. He was called probably out of practicing in human sacrifice. And he was called to go to the land that God would show him. And he responded in faith, trusting God, and God credited it to him as righteousness. He was saved by faith. He was saved by God's grace, just like we are, not because he deserved it or because he was a good person. And so God took him to the promised land, a land that would be given not just to him, but to his children's children, children. And he would give him great descendants ending ultimately in, not ending, but including especially his greatest descendant, his greatest seed, and that was Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah who would bring salvation to all those who would call upon him. The problem was that Abraham and Sarah were very old, and they were barren. In fact, by the time we get to our text today, they still don't have a child. And Sarah is 89 years old. Sarah would have a child, but not until she was 90. You know, Genesis has been painting Abraham increasingly in a godly manner. It's amazing the things that that God has done with and to and for Abraham as we've studied his story, as we've studied his life. I mean, the last time we looked at our passage, um, or I guess the time before that, we saw him eating with God as he played table host to God and to two angels before they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He has seen and been in the presence of God and entered into covenant with Him and seen God protect him every step of the way as he turned to the Lord. And now 
He has been given the promise that a year hence, Sarah, when she's 90, will have a child. And so what does Abraham do? He wanders away. He wanders away physically and also spiritually. He didn't lose his salvation, I don't mean that. But in our text, as he skins his knee, as it were, as he fails and falls again into temptation to sin, he has done so on the heels, on the heels of having this great promise that one year hence, Sarah will have a child. You know, he wanders away. We're not sure why he wanders away from the promised land. Perhaps it wasn't sinful. Perhaps it was. The text isn't real clear here, but he goes to the very edge of the promised land. He's been given this great area, and where does he go? Right to the edge, almost as if he's towing the line one more time. So often when we wander away from the Lord, we, we didn't begin by saying, hey, that far side over there where it's full of sin, that's where I want to go. A lot of times we just get a little closer to see what happens. Have you ever done that before? It seems Abraham's kind of doing that here. And so when he gets to the kingdom of Gerar, the city-state of Gerar, he lies about Sarah being his wife so that no one would kill him. He tells us why he did it in verse 11. Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because she's my wife. Apparently, she was an exceedingly attractive (laughs) 89-year-old. And uh, we're not real sure what's going on culturally here. But we've been here before. Genesis 12 records the same thing he did with Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. And apparently it's a real thing because both Pharaoh and Abimelech took Sarah to be their wives. And so here is Abraham, who has been given the entire promised land by God and to his children's children's children, a man who has just seen God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and now he lies in order to save his skin. Let's think about times in which we are especially um, susceptible to falling into temptation. There are times in our lives when we are especially susceptible or it's especially dangerous. We we really need to watch ourselves. You know what a a compromised immune system is, right? It's something you're not sick, but you can easily get sick. And there seem to be those times in our lives spiritually when our guards are down and where it's easier to fall into temptation than others. And one is almost counterintuitive, and it's when things are going well. Things are going well. Things are going great for Abraham. He had met with God. He had received the promise that a year hence Sarah's going to have a wife. He's seen Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. And God has saved Lot and his two daughters God's faithfulness is writ large all over his life. He has tons of stuff. In fact, he has so much stuff that that he and Lot, well before this, had to separate because there wasn't enough grass for the sheep. And their shepherds kept getting in arguments about who could pasture their flocks where. You know, oftentimes what happens when things are going well in our lives, we get into a place of spiritual coasting. And the fervency for the Lord, it just it, it, it loses its edge a little bit. And we become more and more okay with shorter quiet times or more infrequent times of prayer because we're busy. 
or because we're bebopping along. You know, life is, life is rocking. It's great. And so we oftentimes feel less of a, a perceived need of God's help, protection, presence, and blessing. And we get in that rut of doing things on our own. I was reading this morning in my Bible study of 1 Kings uh, chapter 10, 11-ish, somewhere in there. It's when Solomon really starts to go away from the Lord. And he has everything. Everything. In fact, Israel is at its largest bounds that it will ever be. And then he decides he needs 700 wives and 300 concubines. Lord help that man. And then, and then we see that he needs all the gold that he can get his hands on. Then he starts collecting chariots, right? Then his wives come to him and say, hey, we need to worship other gods. He's been coasting for a while. And he says, okay. And then God tears the kingdom away from him through his son. In times when things are going well, be on your guard lest you coast. Do you know when you go fast? Do you know when you're going the fastest? When you're coasting downhill. Be on your guard. Another, though, another time of um, a compromised spiritual immune system is when we're in seasons of transition. Seasons of transition. We see that in our text here. You know, where is Abraham? Well, first of all, he's wandered where he shouldn't be, probably. But he's also wandered in some area he doesn't know well, a king he does not know. He doesn't have a relationship with this guy. He doesn't know how the, the local political system works. It's a time of transition, and so he goes back to old patterns of dealing with things. You know, um, if you've ever ridden through the woods when it's deeply rutted, uh, and so you're, you're trying to stay off the ruts because the ruts are deep. And those ruts symbolize the, the way that we, the, the, the sinful patterns that we fall back into when things are uncertain or things are hard. And in times of transition, it's really important to stay out of those ruts. And I think you'll find that the, the mud right next to those ruts is really slick. And we try to steer away from them. And in times of transition, we are especially susceptible to slide right back into those old sinful habits, perhaps even the old habits that we thought we had put to death. Abraham seems to have the besetting sin of lying. He is a liar. Are you a liar? Maybe. Maybe that's not what you struggle with. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's some sexual sin. Maybe it's something on television. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's wrath. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's lashing out. I don't know what it is for you. But in times of transition, when things are uncertain, like they were for Abraham, that's when we are especially susceptible to falling back into those old habits. And so often those old habits are not helpful. Well, the presenting disease here, the presenting sin was lying the spiritual immune system was at risk. What were the underlying causes? Well, first, I think that we share with Abraham what I like to call old man thinking. Not, not old like someone is old. I'm talking about old man of who we were before Christ. Um, 
of who we were before we became believers, before the Lord gave us a new heart and began to renew our minds and to sanctify us, grow us in His grace, before He counted us as righteous. This is what Ephesians 4 says, to put off your old self, the King James says man here, to put off your old man which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful passions, desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the new man, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Abraham had been saved. He'd been redeemed. He'd been credited as righteous. He was growing in his faith. I mean, he really was. I mean, we see Abraham do great things for the Lord in, our, in, in what we've already studied. And they, they seem to be getting greater. He is growing in God's grace. And then he reverts back to the old man thinking, the old self thinking, as he thinks, God can't protect me. And so I need to lie here. He had done the same thing in Genesis 12. He's already done this. He had already been rebuked for it. He had already repented of it. Don't you find that's how our lives work too? Where we find ourselves asking forgiveness for the same things over and over again as we return to the old man thinking, the self-centered thinking, the God-can't-help-me thinking. This is too big for God thinking. Or I just like my sin thinking. The second underlying cause, I think, of Abraham's sin here is that he was operating out of a place of fear. Of fear instead of faith. What was he afraid of? He was afraid of dying. There's no doubt of that. He says that here. But I think there's, that's coming from a deeper place of, of fearing that God wouldn't protect him. Fearing to believe that God really was trustworthy and faithful. You know, he had seen time and time again evidences of God's love and His promises. We know they're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We we know them all the more than Abraham. We've seen from Abraham's life how they really are true, and and God does stay true to His promises, and yet I know so so much more than Abraham, and yet I fall in this all the time. In fact, I would say there are seasons in my life which were dictated very much by fear, influencing just all my decisions. Have, have you been there before? It's a terrible place to be. Perhaps you're there now. Making decisions based on fear instead of faith, instead of looking to me and my resources rather than to Almighty God who promises never to leave me, never to take me, and always equip me for the things that I need. Abraham was operating out of fear rather than faith, trusting in the Lord's provision. The good news, my friend, is that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, according to Hebrews chapter 4. He looks at us and says, I know you're weak, and I know you're struggling with fear. And I know you're struggling with faith, but I I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of of power and love and self-control. And come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You will find that Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. Are you afraid? Are you operating out of fear? Then turn again to your Savior. Turn again to the one looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the one who will help you. This is the one who would have helped Abraham if he had just asked. We know that because God's about to intervene and, and help him anyway, even though Abraham had wandered off the beaten trail. There are side effects. 
you know, we've seen the presenting sin, the compromised immune system. We've seen the underlying causes. There are also side effects here. You know, there are always side effects to sin. There are always side effects to sin. We, we like to believe the lie that our sins are private and personal, especially when no one else knows about them. Or even if they're well known, it's not going to affect anybody around us. And y'all, that's just a lie that we tell ourselves. We, we fall into the rut of what Abraham has done and lie to ourselves that my sin will not impact others. And y'all, that is a lie 100% of the time. 100%. There's no such thing as a secret sin. There may be sins that others don't know, but it will affect them because it's going to affect your soul. Sin will rot your soul out from the inside out. It's toxic to all our relationships. And here we see the great side effect of Abraham's sin. See, Abraham thought that it was just his, oh, no one will know, or it's not really going to matter. I'm just going to tell people that she's my sister, so I don't die. The problem is that it deeply affected Abimelech. See, Abimelech is interesting here. He comes out smelling like roses in this text. He asked to see whose wife this was. It wasn't anybody's, and especially it wasn't Abraham's. And as the older brother, he would have been the one to protect her and, and, and also to receive the dowry in order for her to be married off. And so it's likely that Abraham actually benefited from Sarah being brought into uh, the collection of wives of Abimelech. And before Abimelech is able to consummate this marriage, God apparently afflicts him with some sort of disease that would keep him from fulfilling that duty. And God comes to Abimelech in a dream and says, Hey, look, you dummy, you're a dead man. I love that, that phrase here. You're a dead man. Now it's conditional. We're told that in verse 7. It's conditional that if he repents, if he returns the wife back to Abraham, then, then he will be saved and he will be uh, rather healed as Abraham will pray for him. But Abimelech says to God, Look, I, I did this in the innocence of my heart and the cleanness of my hands because both he and she said... But they weren't married. Here is a sin that, that Abraham thought he could get away with, but the side effect was that it put Abimelech's whole family and perhaps even nation at risk. Thankfully, Abimelech responds better than Abraham does. And so he returns uh, Sarah to Abraham and then also gives him a thousand pieces of silver. Now, we don't use pieces of silver in everyday commerce here, but y'all, uh, this is worth 2,000 months of a day laborer's wage. That's a lot of money. In fact, this is the 20 times the bride price allowed in Deuteronomy. This is a lot of money. One of the side effects of sin that we see here is it affects other people. But another side effect we see is that it hurts our witness. Um, you know, we, we have just ordained two men and installed many others. And, and one of the qualifications for elders and deacons is that they have a good reputation in town. That's, that's one of the qualifications. Why is that? It's because the last thing you want to hear is, he's an officer? That's not what you want to hear, right? What you want to hear is, oh man, praise God, I bet he's a great elder or deacon. But it's not just for elders and deacons, it's for every one of us. That when we fall into sin, especially public sin or, or private sin that bubbles over into our relationships, it hurts our, our, our witness for the Lord Jesus. Abraham here had a great opportunity to witness for the Lord. 
Now, what would have happened, worst case scenario here, if he had gone in and he was faithful and he died? So what? At some point, we've got to reach that point. If he had been faithful to the Lord and obedient and he had died for it, God would have been glorified. Because they would have looked at him and said, this man loved the Lord. Now, now we know that he doesn't die and God intervenes because Abraham is really the most important person on the earth at this point. It is through him that God is seeking to save the lost, and both Jew and Gentile alike. And so, my friends, when we fall into sin, it, it hurts our witness. It brings down the name of Jesus. Well, finally, um, there's good news here. There's great news. As we fight daily with flesh and the Spirit, as we fight that daily, and when we fall and we will, we need to be reminded that there is grace and that God loves us. And God did not save us because we have a perfect record, but rather He loves us because of the love with which He loved us. That's that's the reason we're given. And he's in the habit of taking folks who fall day in and day out and using them for his glory and calling them his children. First thing we see here, God graciously intervenes to restrain the sin of Abimelech. And he has mercy on Abraham. God often does this, doesn't he? As I look back at my life and the many big mistakes I've made, I'm thankful that I couldn't have gone any further than I did. Perhaps sometimes I wanted to. But something happened coincidentally, right? Quote, unquote. And God restrained my sin and kept me from going off further off the path than I did. This is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. It comes under the kingship of Christ so that He is restraining our sin. Now the more we do it, the more we put those ruts in the road, the easier it is to keep going further. This isn't an excuse to sin. Praise God that He has kept us from going further than we have. The second thing, though, is there's great forgiveness here and renewed relationship with the Lord. Verses 17 and 18, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. And the Lord had closed all the wombs of of the house of Abimelech's house because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. My friends, the good news is, That when we fail and when we fall and we give back into old man thinking, there is forgiveness available in Christ. There is forgiveness available in Christ. In fact, we're told if if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I think a lot of times we talk so much about the guilt, which is there and true, we need that that forgiven, but also the feeling of unworthiness and shame and dirtiness that comes from sin. Guess what? Jesus takes care of that too. He took care of that on the cross. By God's grace, we can keep running to Him time and time again, seeking forgiveness in a renewed relationship with Him. So how do we land this plane? Well, in Abraham's life, we see a reflection of our own. Times of great faithfulness intermixed with seasons of failure. When we become believers, we are declared righteous before God and pardoned of all of our sins, not because of anything we have done, but because of the grace of God, which we receive by faith in Christ. And part of the Christian life is looking forward to the day when Christ comes again and 
the fight with the flesh and the spirit will be no more. I'm looking forward to that day as we are ushered into the presence of God and perfected immediately upon that moment. This promise of salvation is available to all those who would trust in Christ. It is promised to all those who need forgiveness, rest, and God's grace. So whether you're a believer or not, if you're a believer, turn again to the Lord. If you're not a believer, turn to the Lord and find salvation for your souls. Let's pray. And so, Father, we thank You for Your love and Your grace. That Though we fail and fall like our father of the faith, Abraham, that there is salvation, there is forgiveness, there is security in Christ um, all the more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.